Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing direct small lending. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tonko Gass, founder and CEO of Dynamic Credit and Portfolio Manager. Welcome, Tonko, and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm really excited to, to have a conversation about this topic. So, Tonko, I think any investor uh, probably has been sitting back after what we've been through the last nine months, uh, and certainly any investor that has a, a 60-40 traditional portfolio of equities and fixed income uh, is probably a bit shell-shocked. Uh, and I think we've all relearned the value of diversification uh, and certainly have a great interest in finding alternative sources of return. And I think that's uh, something you're going to be sharing with us today. Now, one question that's come up when I've been talking to clients, and particularly if we look at alternative investments or, or private markets in general, is that in the past, at least, uh, one of the advantages or selling points was that you you got in a liquidity premium, which needless to say was quite valuable when interest rates were extremely low. Uh, we all appreciate we're no longer in that environment. So if you could, I guess, for starters, tell us a bit more about direct small lending as an asset class and then more broadly go into, you know, what are the key features and really why should investors be interested? Sure. Yeah, um, no, very happy to uh, to get into that. I mean, the asset class is really small loans to households in, in general. And these are households, I mean, they can be based in the US, in Europe, and potentially in Asia. And, um, you know, households comprise, you know, a very large part of any developed economy. It's typically 40 to 70% of, of an economy comprised of households. And so it's an asset class that is based on a very large part of the economy. But most people tend to think, when I talk about these loans, that these are loans for to allow for more consumption, right? To buy a fridge or you know, borrow money to go on a holiday or something. Um, well, in reality, households you know, finance themselves um, to a very large extent for very positive purposes, not, not consumption. And um, this is sometimes a bit of a misconception so that's why we, we also don't talk about, when we talk about this asset class, about we don't talk about consumer loans, because that is basically a sub-asset class, I would say, from the larger asset class of small loans to households. Consumer loans are very specific, typically. It's, uh, it's, it's one segment of the buy now, pay later type product, but that's really an, a segment of the full asset class. Um, and the household sector is so big, there are many loans to source with many different risk return characteristics. And for example, what we find in the US is a very large amount of loans that we can source are used for debt consolidation purposes. And that consolidation is a very positive purpose because it doesn't increase the household debt. It actually decreases the burden of debt. And the debt was typically created at earlier stages in life when people had lower income they were still studying uh, or working part-time jobs. And as these people grow up and get to full-time jobs, they finish their, their degrees, a lot of people end up starting with quite a bit of debt outstanding on credit cards, student loans, car loans, you name it. And 
a lot of the debt can be then consolidated into a cheaper, longer-term loan because finally these people are now, with a higher income, able to get um, you know, a loan that's sustainable for their income level. And a lot of people ask, well, why would these people have debt in the first place? Well, it comes from an earlier stage in life. And once they start to make more money and start to have a young family, also expenses go up. So the first thing is on their mind is, is not immediately to be able to uh, to pay off debt with free cash flow. And so what we're seeing a lot with debt consolidation is that um, people um, take out a loan for three to five years uh, that typically they pay off within 24 months. And if you can also be selective on the type of income that these households have, you can actually create a very interesting, very sizable exposure that is to higher income households that are what they call in America the Henrys, the high earners, not rich yet. So they make 80, 90, $100,000, but still have debt. And they're really very good credit profiles. So there are also loans for home improvement or for medical reasons. There are all kinds of good purposes of loans. And when you focus on that in, in, in this very large asset class, you can still create very sizable exposure. And one other thing I sometimes talk about with people when I talk about this asset class is that some people think that there's a negative bias for people going online to get a loan. Yeah, a lot of these loans come through direct lenders online as if these people must be unbankable. But it's completely not the case. It's very normal for households with good incomes who like the convenience and ease of use and a smooth process yeah, that direct lenders offer. Um, and technology made that possible. So these are very bankable people with, with good income. And again, the space is very large. The key features of the within the asset class, if you were to describe it in asset management terms, are the loans tend to be fixed rate generally, but amortizing fast. So three to five years with um, and then prepayments on top of that. So relatively short duration typically of these loans of so about one and a half years. The yield in euros is about 9% and in dollars about 11% depending on the type. And it's mega diverse. Hey, you really get exposure to tens of thousands of loans from many different countries. And all in all, it creates a fairly interesting exposure because you have short duration creating very low volatility. And because of the low duration and the very high coupon, credit losses can be absorbed pretty easily through the high coupon. So that's why the volatility has been very low on this on this asset class. Now, of course, we've become even more aware, perhaps, than we were in the past, the importance of, of macro factors driving the performance of different assets. So I'd like you to talk about, if you could, uh, the impact, say, of, of changes in unemployment, changes in the inflation rate, uh, changes in policy rates on the asset class, and not necessarily just the short-term outlook, because I think we're all nonetheless quite focused on on the slowdown in growth, but kind of over the cycle, how do these factors affect the asset class? Yeah, that's no, a very good question. I think the most important factor that has an impact on household loans is unemployment. The other factors I will get into as well, but let me let me first talk about unemployment a little bit. Unemployment is, is actually obviously a pretty obvious one. Higher unemployment, more people will lose their income and might get into trouble paying off their debt. And we looked at this extensively, and we see when we look at the past from previous recessions, we see for every 1% increase in unemployment, we see about 
uh, about 50 basis points expected loss impact, right? So it's about a factor of about a half impact on charge-offs or losses. And so uh, with, with our expectations for unemployment, for example, in the U.S. are around an increase of about 2%. Which seems to be seeing some kind of consensus come around that number that unemployment in the US goes from very low numbers of, say, 3.8% currently to about 5.8%, maybe 6% by uh, 2024. And that move means only that losses go up to around 100 basis points. And so, which is still only at about half of our conservative longer term loss estimate. So unemployment is an important impact. Also important to note, once you look deeper at unemployment, because unemployment is a very, it's just one number describing a, basically a, a whole labor force, but there's very big differences in unemployment for different income categories. So for example, currently in the US, unemployment rates for people in income brackets over $80,000 are at about 40% of the generic unemployment rate. And so and we see the same thing for increases. Increases also don't translate one for one to the higher income brackets. So unemployment is the main concern when it goes to double digits for an extended period of time. Then you can see this asset class go into negative return territory. But if you stay in the range of where we are today, around 4% to 6%, or in Europe, maybe from 6, 7% to 8, 9, 10%. That's still within the range of what is priced in to these coupons on these, on these loans. When I go into the other two topics from a macroeconomic perspective, inflation, there's important mitigants on, on that we do see wage increases coming through, again, because of tight labor markets. Also, many governments are supporting households with caps on energy prices to help them cope. We see that really across the board. And also the higher income households have a bit more capacity to adjust spending patterns compared to lower income households. So inflation is less of a concern. Rising rates are actually uh, a slight positive for the asset class because all the loans amortize. Eh? So these borrowers have fixed rates. So a rising rate doesn't mean that their installment goes up. And because they amortize, they also don't depend on refinancing the debt at maturity date. And the characteristics that you gave us about the asset class, Tonko, I think we all see kind of similarities with, say, high-yield debt or leveraged loans and, and similar investments. So what differentiates uh, direct small lending from those? You know, kind of really where do you get the excess return that you hope to find here as opposed to, say, investing just in, in uh, corporate high-yield bonds? I like asset classes that are incomplete because it, you have better chances of your excess return staying available also throughout the cycle. Well, exactly. I think what we're all taught in uh, in business school or in finance was that if it's a perfectly functioning market, you're you kind of by definition can't get any any extra return. So we do need a bit of imperfection, I guess, in this world. Well, and there's real um, barriers to entry. Yeah, so to invest in loans in many different countries with many different originators. First of all, these markets can be pretty scattered. Then the effort to understand the local market, the local jurisdiction, to do due diligence yeah, on the servicing companies, that's already, yeah, to onboard these loans is challenging. Then running them is also operationally challenging. Yeah? Running a fund with 30,000 plus loans 
does require a really excellent technological setup to be able to manage this. And so this is also a market with barriers to entry and it helps keep access returns available. If I could summarize in some of the, the key points, Tonko, you pointed or explained to us that small direct loans really are small loans to households, but we shouldn't forget that households make up anywhere from 40 to 70 percent of an economy. So certainly a source of investment that uh, we should be looking at. Uh, even if it is household financing, it's not as we might at first assume for consumption. Uh, these are loans for debt consolidation, home improvement, so certainly uh, with productive ends. In terms of the characteristics of the investment, it's short duration, so that uh, leads to low volatility, which clearly advantageous. At the same time, comparatively high yields uh, and also very diverse. So it seemed to be a nice mix of factors there. If we think about the macro drivers for the asset class, the key one you highlighted uh, was unemployment. But even if uh, we see several economies, unfortunately, going into recession, you don't anticipate increases or sustained high levels of unemployment to, to the degree that would really hurt the asset class uh, over the medium term. And then finally, when you think about really what's the source of the excess return in this asset class, you pointed out that it's still an undeveloped, imperfect market, if you will, but that uh, is exactly what, what creates the opportunity for you to find these investments. Well, Tonko, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our new website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Toko Gas, founder and CEO of Dynamic Credit. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.